Jays fans to another episode of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. My name is Brian Dot from whiteandbluereview.com. On that site, I go by Creighton Otter, and I'm your host every single week for this podcast where we try to break down everything going on in the world of Creighton Blue Jays athletics. Tonight, we have an interesting show due, some, due to some technical difficulties. I was able to interview our usual contributor, Matt DeMarinas, local Creighton media expert about um, Creighton women's soccer's results so far in the exhibition season. So that leads our show. And then we have a really nice feature between Matt DeMarinas and John Niatawa from the Omaha World Herald. So the two guys that amongst all of the local sports media here in Omaha that cover the Blue Jays athletics the most, I'd say probably what, 95, 90%, 96% of all coverage uh, day-to-day coverage of Creighton sports comes from those two. Um, they spend a lot of time with each other down at Morrison Stadium and Sokol Arena and CenturyLink Center and TD Ameritrade Park, and they were able to um, sit down and just spend some time here before things get extremely busy with matches and games that matter, talking for about 70 minutes about men's basketball, talk soccer, men's soccer, talk uh, talk volleyball too, um, and then touch on some of the recruiting stuff and a little bit of uh, other topics that are of interest to the Blue Jays fans that routinely tune into this podcast um, and a, a listenership that's growing week by week. So with that, we're going to play the first piece, and that's an interview, m- less of an interview, more of Matt DeMarinas just talking off the cuff about what he's seen in Crate Women's Soccer's exhibition matches, a 1-0 loss to Minnesota and a 4-1 to win over the weekend against Hastings here at local school. So with that, uh, Matt DeMarine is talking Creighton Women's Exhibition, Creighton Women's Soccer Exhibition on the Blue Jays Bites podcast. So let's give Ross Polly's team a little bit of love here too. Matt, what can you tell us about how, uh, you know, the women's soccer team is looking so far so early in this exhibition season ahead of them starting their regular season this weekend at Iowa State. Yeah, I think we're actually one a couple weeks behind now that I think about it. Yeah. Because um, I don't think we, we talked about it last week. And uh, so those, I mean, guess from the exhibition with Minnesota, which was – I guess you can assess it as, you know, kind of definitely in Minnesota's favor, probably lopsided uh, shots were about 23 to two in favor of the golden Gophers, but that's a top 20 team that came in, you know, for Creighton's kind of debut with in the, in a post Lauren Sullivan world, obviously a lot of question marks on that top line, as far as who's going to provide that scoring punch that Sullivan was so dynamic at doing. And to compound uh, the issues with that, they were also missing their top striker in Kyra Hauser, who was out with an injury, a rib injury, um, didn't play in that match. So there was kind of a big learning curve from that group. The thing that I was encouraged about from the Minnesota match, and I, I wrote about this on com, is the back line was really, really stout because they were – when you consider how how long they were under pressure – throughout that match and the fact that they only conceded one goal and really didn't give up, despite 23 shots allowed, they only gave up, you know, I would say only about five or six quality chances, um, opportunities regardless. And then the goal that they allowed came from distance. It came from outside the 18. 
Um, just kind of a little lax in the midfield there for a, a stretch, and they paid for it. Um, but it wasn't really on the back line, I don't think. The back line took the blame for it just because that's kind of what the back line does. That's, sure. you know, that the ca- Captain Marine Kerr is the center back. Uh, Jalen Bosak, a sophomore from Omaha, is the is her counterpart back there. Um, then you have you have Mackenzie Gribble, a senior um, two-year transfer from North Carolina State, and then a redshirt freshman who everybody should know last name-wise, Haley Block, uh, younger sister of Ty, mm-hmm. of San Francisco Giants fame. Of hitting 400-foot so bomb fame. Right, yeah, the guy, the matcher. He can also pitch, too. Um, right. Yeah, he's okay. He's all right. <laughs> So yeah, that, that back four was really good against Minnesota, I thought. They stayed connected. They didn't allow many chances. Um, and they're under pressure for – they all played 90 minutes that first match, um, which also speaks to the fitness level they came into camp with. They are – that four is the fittest – are the fittest four players on the team. Hmm. Um, so you like to see that as far as the camaraderie that unit built. They came in with a mentality that, you know, they're going to come in fit. They're going to come in. And, you know, be a tight-knit unit and not give up easy chances to opposing teams. So for them to do that as a top-20 team, their first time out, because they didn't play together last year. It's, a, it's a kind of, a, you know, Haley redshirted. Uh, Mackenzie Graven was injured for about half the season. And Marine Kerr kind of came on late at the end of the season. So it wasn't really a group that's played a lot together. And then to see them kind of connect so well with um, sophomore keeper Mackenzie Miola, who I think is – the clear number one goalkeeper just based on her performances and two friendlies, that group of five right there is a, is a good building block for this young group while they try to figure out, you know, while they, while they try to figure out what's, what the attacking side of the ball is going to look like. Um, like I mentioned without Lauren Sullivan and then they beat Hastings, which was, I don't know. I thought they'd be, they won four to one. They probably could have won eight to one. Yeah. Um, Hastings back line was Hastings back line was overmatched the entire night. Mm-hmm. Um, they scored on early often and they actually missed quite a few Creighton actually created quite a few one V ones with goalkeepers and, uh, just couldn't finish inside, in the, inside the box. I know that was an area that Ross Pauly wants to see sharpened up here as the regular season gets going. Um, but I think there's, there's enough to be encouraged about coming out of, you know, this preseason play and what they've seen so far uh, from an attacking standpoint to where you think you might be able to rely on some players, but definitely defensively they look in tip-top shape so far. And they start with four straight road matches beginning this weekend at Iowa State. Um, You know, not to get too far down the road here, but from what you see and what you know of their schedule and what you think you can expect to see in year two of Ross Pauley's program, at three. Iowa, year three, Iowa State, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State, South Dakota. What's that going to be like for these Jays? Well, I think the first thing that stands out from the non-conference portion of the schedule, obviously we know what the Big East is capable of. From the non-conference portion of the schedule, so there's a lot of, you know, if not definitely NCAA tournament teams, NCAA tournament quality teams. So um, that's going to be a challenge in itself. And what it might lead to – on on the unfortunate side is it might lead to, you know, this team learning through losing. You know, if they don't get results just uh, against a tough schedule, that's – I mean, it's just going to be a hard lesson they might have to learn. Mm-hmm. Now, they might prove everybody wrong and flip, it, flip the script this year. They might. 
you don't know that, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if I wouldn't be surprised if this team ends up with a losing record, but ends up having still a better trajectory than the teams of the first two seasons of his head coaching career. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Because because the, the the what they're doing, they're trying to do a trial by fire. They they're scheduling tough teams. You know, next year they have a top twenty five matchup with Clemson scheduled for Morris Stadium. Um, you know, they're trying to get Nebraska, who is, you know, kind of most cooperative with as far as scheduling Creighton. And I mean, make of that what you will, but <laughs> another right. sport, another story. Sure. Uh, you know, so but they're trying to do a trial by fire. They want Ross Pauly has made no secrets about scheduling the toughest teams in the country because that's where he wants his team to be at uh, his program to be at on a consistent basis and the only way to do that is by testing yourself against them so there might be some hard lessons learned like you know I, I i make this comparison quite a bit just in conversation but like kirsten bernthal booth did with volleyball you know from the onset she scheduled tough and took some lumps along the way and now you see what she's working with this year. So that's kind of the blueprint, you know, schedule tough, you know, trial, you know, iron sharpens iron type of deal. You'll be better because that's what you'll raise the level of your competition sort of thing. And that's the theory going in. So I don't know if this team will have a winning record. I don't know if this team will make the big East tournament or not, but they're not going to shy away from testing themselves against the best teams in the country week in and week out. All right, so the women will be in action this weekend, starting their regular season. They'll have four matches on the road to start their season. Ross Pauly's team going to take on the rigors of the road right off the bat. They play at Iowa State this weekend, the first of four road matches to start their regular season. Now we're going to pivot to the uh, previously promoted um, interview between Matt DeMarinas and uh, John Niatawa from the Omaha World Herald. So John's added two new beats to his work for the Blue Jays for the World Herald. He's covering men's soccer and volleyball. So Matt and John talk about both of those sports. They really start with um, with some information and some feedback and some, some banter about the men's basketball team in particular, what they've both seen from the Blue Jays men this season in the off season, uh, summer league, covering summer workouts, and then maybe taking – uh, a projection into the fall about you know the start of fall camp and what to expect from the uh, battle for the bl- point guard position some of the things that are really top of mind for all of our diehard Blue Jays fans on the message boards and out there in the rest of Blue Jay Nation so with that we'll go straight into this interview and uh, we'll be back after we hear from Matt DeMoranis and John Niatawa on the Blue Jays Bites podcast okay so another episode of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. Uh, another sit down with Omaha World Herald superstar John Niatawa. Superstar. I mean, I just think you're. I like to pump you up a little bit because it you. makes you feel all awkward. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. last time we talked. Necessary compliments, but thank sh- you. Exactly. I like people giving people like way over the top compliments, mm-hmm. and they're just like, "Okay, this is weird." Yeah, I'm. I you know I'm glad that you. Ran out of guests and decided to let me back on your podcast. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I mean, it's really just we're both running into the same thing right now. We're like, you know, we just got done with the summer following the basketball workouts and things like that. And now all three sports are colliding. You know, this is like, I need someone I can relate to. And I feel like that's 
Yeah, and and you know. you're you're engrossed in it more than I am. I kind of, I, I I sort of delegate to my minions a little bit. I wish I, I had you, minions to delegate. <laughs> I guess to. you could call that. See, that's what I mean. My other you're folks. in a power position that I have yet to attain. So yeah, it's just it's luck. I, I think you just kind of fall. I just kind of fell into it. Sure. The last time we. Uh... And and here's the thing. At this time last year, these guys they weren't. I couldn't even categorize them as minions they were running the show mm-hmm. so um it's gonna be and once basketball season starts it'll be pretty even but i am really excited though. like last year at this time i was covering nebraska football mm-hmm. so i didn't really get to experience the volleyball season or the soccer season um here at creighton at all so so what was fall i mean nebraska football is a full-time fully devoted gig right you didn't have time to like look watch nebraska volleyball or anything like oh that. no it was yeah no no you you sort of, um, and I, I suspect that it's probably going to be similar during basketball season too. I'm I'm wondering maybe I have to get a couple of tips from you how you juggle it all. But like, um, it's a day you wake up thinking Nebraska football. What am I going to write today? Right. And and what storylines are we missing? And you know if if it, if it's a little tiny piece of a nugget that you think oh maybe I can save that, then you realize no you can't. You can just put that online, blog that immediately, yes. and and then if you have free time, then you're doing research on other stuff too. Uh, I was like I was I was always and I still am like um, a, a stat nerd, so I'll just get myself I'll dive deep deep into stupid projects. I've wasted so many hours just looking <laughs> yeah. up things that like I and then when I, you feel accomplished when you figure oh, yeah. it all out and then you send it out there and it gets no response no reaction oh yeah like, or it fills a sentence in a story yeah and you're like that's like I, that's I thought, time well wasted right, right there sometimes yeah. you get lucky and you can actually build a story around yeah. it but most of the time no usually it's like two hours of work for something that it's basically just a tweet yeah yeah <laughs> um i think the last time we spoke or did this podcast first of all the podcast i think is one of the things that like helps out in that regard because it's almost like a cheating for one, there, we don't have like commercials or time limits or anything like that, so yeah. I can do an in-depth interview that I don't necessarily have to write anything about, and I can just make that what it is and send it out there, and it's content, you know what I mean? So I feel like having a podcast, having different different areas to like non-written forms of content, I feel like helps get through the season, because you can just come up with questions and then just have a conversation, and then your job is done. So I, and I envy you. Maybe I I don't want to. Maybe I should start a podcast. Why not? I, I mean, should. you know, just come up with a catchy name. <laughs> I don't know. What, I mean, uh, the J and John and J's works there, but you got to figure out like a buzzword. Yeah. And there's not many J buzzwords. There's not you know juice. I mean? That's all. Right. I mean. Some juicy J's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the last time we spoke, we were in Madison Square Garden. Today, we're at Morrison Stadium. So. Yeah. Depending on your, you know how how you feel about Madison Square Garden versus soccer, I'm sure there are some that would take more to stadium. Yeah, I mean it's not quite the mecca of college soccer, but it's a pretty cool place. Yeah, it's a nice view. We've got a we got a nice view of the skyline. See TD Ameritrade Park. See your office building. Yeah, my my office is over there. So, uh, it's I I feel like we find some really good locations. We're not stuck in a closet somewhere. No, uh, this is at it's least two times in a row. It's definitely something now. I'm gonna feel like the pressure to find a spot. Yeah, next time I do this podcast, like, yeah. it's either like hundredth uh, story of the Sears Tower. Or <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you called it the Sears Tower too. Points for that. Yeah. What um, is it now? The Willis Tower. Yeah. Is that the I'm just not. That's not. Happening. Yeah. It's either there or like on a beach somewhere. Right. You know what that's, a great place is? I recommend is uh, if you want to come cover the women's so- basketball tournament with me in Chicago. There's a Holiday Inn. It's like. 20 stories. Okay. And I'm like, 
floor 17 or whatever, they have like this restaurant called the Skyline. And so like this is where I wrote all the stories from the tournament two years ago when they were in Chicago. So it's a restaurant, like a restaurant sports bar type of deal. And like there's just a giant window and you just see like the Sears Tower and all these buildings. Like so the, it's a the river's right there. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's beautiful. Like I spent the whole, I spent nights there. I didn't want to go to my room. Yeah. Just stayed up there. So that's, that's a spot we should podcast next okay. time. Good. If we're ever in Chicago together. Uh, but since since we last podcast, some personal news, you took yourself off the market. So <laughs> That's right. I so, got engaged. Yeah, so John... You know, and, and I got engaged in Chicago. Not, did you really? not, not on the 17th floor of the Holiday Inn, though. Maybe right. I should have done not that. Not the Skyline Hotel or yeah. restaurant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. But we did have a view of the Skyline. It was on the lake. Okay. So that was uh, not on a boat. Like, uh, See, it was funny because I proposed at a park in Chicago and... Um, it, it was, I thought it was a nice proposal, and then like literally a week later, I think it's Anthony Rizzo okay. proposed, and I was like, "Oh, hey Megan, my my fiance," and I was like, "Megan, look, a, uh, a Cubs player did the same exact thing. It looked like the same view of the city that you could see where his Instagram post was, but no, it was on like a yacht. Once you looked closer, it was on a yacht on yeah, the lake. What you do that for? Right, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 I, I did not. I did not. Um, Fully assessed. Yeah, I didn't. Whole... I should have looked at the photo closer, right. and so then my proposal kind of. Looked Did she notice it too? Though she's like, well, yeah, well, technically. She was like, "That's a boat." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh yeah, it is, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> then that's not the exact angle of the city that we were looking at. Okay. So you're ready to. Uh, so congratulations on that, because that's a that's. I, I imagine you know, that's something the wedding and everything you want to plan carefully based on how much responsibility you have around, you know, the Creighton campus, trying to make sure. Oh yeah, you, we'll be. It'll be in the summer. Yeah, it'll be in the summer like for that, sure. We you might have to sacrifice a college world series, but not a. Oh no, I won't sacrifice. I, really? I kind of do that. No, nope. okay. it'll be uh, between the end of end of the college world series and the end of summer league. So, you've you've put your foot down <laughs> on that, right? That's your only request for this wedding. <laughs> uh, I attended a couple summer league games last or summer yeah. league days last year, so uh, that's not that high on the priority list. But I basically I was told. Uh, Work-wise, it'd, it'd be tough to miss a, a CWS. We kind of all hands yeah. on deck there. So yeah, you guys as soon as that incredible but, job, but as soon as that is done, then you kind of have an, some free time. And so I've enjoyed that. We've done a lot of wedding planning over the last month or so, and I've enjoyed sort of just sitting back and trying to get myself immersed or re-immersed immersed into the Creighton culture mm-hmm. and learn a little bit about these other programs I'm going to be covering now too, um, in men's soccer, women's soccer, and 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 volleyball. Before we get to that, I think since you mentioned the summer, we should probably just kind of put some thoughts together on what we took away from the summer workouts that just wrapped up a couple weeks ago here with the men's basketball team. I mean, obviously there was a summer league where Kyrie Thomas and Mitchell Ballack won it, and neither the first Creighton players to ever win it because they don't usually take it seriously for every week, but uh, Kyrie took it to another level. Yeah, they shouldn't have invited Taz if they were hoping that Creighton player wouldn't take a game of basketball seriously. Exactly, yeah. He had a, I mean, I I have to say this every year, because people think I forget that it's summer league and that, like, stat padding is a thing that just naturally happens because there's no structure, so if a guy's going, he can just take the ball and do it. Yeah. Um, so, but he was putting up some ridiculous numbers, and I'm like, you know, there's only 140 characters, so like, you just say the numbers, and like, you have it in summer league. I'm like, I know it's summer league, but he's still doing right. that. Like, it's he's doing what no one else is doing. So, I mean, there's it's worth noting is basically what 
I was dealing with on a weekly basis. But I guess what were your takeaways from the way those two performed together? Because it seems like specifically Kyrie, we know for sure, will have a huge role next season. But Mm -hmm. also Balak, who might be, you know, cough, point guard, cough, (laughs) who knows. Working working with him during the drills, you know, so we'll see what happens. So, yeah, just your takeaways from them together. Yeah, I feel like Kyrie, I'm eager to see if he can take the next step. Um, because what is that for you? Define that. Yeah, and like, I don't know. I don't know because if you would have if you would have told me I wasn't covering the team a year ago, but if you had said, "Is Kyrie going to take the next step from freshman to sophomore year?" I think we say he did that, sure. right? So can he can he um, sort of bottle up that same level of progression that he had a year ago and apply it to this year? I'm not sure if he can or not, but I think we've talked about it a little bit. I want to see him just be a little bit more assertive offensively mm-hmm. when opponents uh, start taking away Creighton's number one option, which will be Marcus Foster, um, or uh, maybe a couple other guys aren't feeling great confidence-wise. That's when he's got to kind of set the tones and take the reins and, and make some big plays, and he did it at times last year, but uh, – you know he's got to do that on a more consistent basis, and I think leadership too. And and you, well, I feel I think like that's the step. I think we've. I, it, and, but I think I think that kind of goes hand in hand. You know, when yeah. when knowing when to kind of put your foot down on the gas pedal and just go um, from an offensive standpoint, make a play, because you know he he does make plays. A lot of times he does it defensively or mm-hmm. just with effort. Yeah, but, the, but, the loose the the right. fifty fifty balls. Right. Um, yeah. But if it's if we're talking about just putting your head down and getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line. Um, uh, creating something for another teammate, like that's kind of what I was wondering if we can, if we're gonna see a little bit more of that from Kyrie. Like, can he be a six to seven free throw attempts type of slasher type of guy? Right, and I don't even know if he has to do that per game on a per game basis, but mm-hmm. there will be times when Creighton is looking for something, they need something, and and maybe he's that. That's that's his step. But yeah, I think he's taking. He seems to be more vocal. I mean, you've seen yeah. him uh, in the workouts. He, he seems to be taking on that role, understanding that that. Somebody needs to step in there. So I think the leadership transition from year to year is something that's always interesting to watch to see who, because you never know. Some you know you talk to some coaches in some programs, they have different philosophies on how they like to delegate that. Some will flat out tell players, "I expect you to be a leader and yeah. do this and delegate to your or like name captains." Yes, and name captains. Yeah. Some will just be hands off and will let it happen organically. So I don't know the specifics of if Kyrie was told that he needs to be that type of role. But I know as soon as they, as soon as their season finished, they still had some workouts, some team workouts, you know, in April and things like that. And I felt like he immediately was doing that mm. and being more vocal than he was already a couple weeks ago. And it was definitely more like that in the summer. Um, when Damian Jefferson came onto campus, uh, the coaches pretty much just stuck him next to Kyrie, and Kyrie was essentially his mentor the whole time. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like leadership is something that he's taking on. Um, how that translates into his into his production is what we're 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 interested to see because I think he needs to be I think he has to be a duo with Marcus because I don't think just based on what we saw in the summer and knowing that the fall workouts are harder and knowing that the season is obviously more difficult that I don't know how much punch they're going to have inside right and that perimeter I mean they're going to be relying on Marcus obviously but someone else I think is going to have to be close to if not definitely close to Marcus's production scoring wise to help you know to help balance that out to help not make sure defenses aren't focusing on Marcus every night because I think if anybody lets frustration get to them and things like that it has been Marcus he kind of you know I won't say hot-headed but he tends to play through his emotions good or bad and I feel like if he's a focal point and no one else is really stepping up 
into his role to help him out, that might hurt the team. Right, right. And if you don't, if you're not going to play through the post, which I don't think Creighton is very much, and really Creighton didn't do a lot last year, right. honestly. I think they wanted to, but I, it, it it didn't happen as yeah. much. I mean, they can play through markets in the post this year, right? Yeah. But uh, I'm not sure who else um, has shown like the consistency to where teams would um, either commit another defender or collapse a little bit defensively to open things up on the perimeter. So. Uh, if they're not going to do that, then they need somebody to take it to the rim, and because there will be openings with te- they got a ton of good shooters. They're going to spread the floor <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Gonna have some good there's going to be room to drive. So, uh, so maybe that's where Kyrie steps up. But uh, so, I, yeah, I think I mean from my amateur seat, uh, watching practice and uh, catching a couple summer league games, Kyrie seems to be on track mm. to have another good year. Um, I want to say I'm just I'm curious to see how much better he can get now that now the team's got to know. Uh, what to expect from him because I think he was a little bit under the radar last year, even though he played a little bit right. um, as a freshman. When they try started start to try to take things away, mm-hmm. um, how does he react? What does he counter with? Right. So I think he had a good summer. Mitch 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 Ballet to me looks like he's ready to play from an offensive standpoint. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the film room with him and the coaches, and this goes uh, for all the other freshmen too. Defensively is another. Hurdle to, always, to clear. Always will be. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I imagine that they really, I mean, it looked like they were implementing some defensive principles during the summer, but they'll probably do a lot more once practice begins in a month or two. So, how they handle that aspect yeah. of it is, that'll be another thing. But offensively, with the ball in his hands and the way he moves, um, Mitch Ballard looks like he's ready to go. Like, I was I was impressed with the, I just like the, the feel he had for the game. Right. It just seemed That's, like it was very natural. Are, yeah. yeah. The things you can't teach, he has already. Yeah, and he can shoot it. Of course. Really yeah, well. he's got range. like. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that translates into playing point yeah, guard. Yeah, right, because, you know, if he just gets pull-up crazy, like he was just feeling himself yeah. a minute, you know. But he he, uh, he did work out with those point guards at times during yeah. the summer. So the thing I'm curious, the thing I guess it's good to have options if you're crazy. Oh, I don't know. A lot of people didn't like the <laughs> options. <last year. laughs> so, like uh, the options so, I mean, it, when, we th- when we talk about the point guard situation, it's obviously going to be a huge storyline. Um, going into the season, I'm sure you and I are going to write about it until we're tired of reading it <laughs> ourselves. Uh, I mean, did you see... I have my opinion. Did you see what you wanted to see out of the returners in that regard? Maybe whether it was Davion or Caleb. Yeah. Did you see what you thought or wanted to see out of guys who were going into the summer knowing that the point that a position is up for grabs? Did you see what you I mean, were you hope did you see right. something to evaluate out of those two? Yeah, I don't know. I mean I didn't see either one necessarily flash as like the clear favorite in I my agree. eyes. Yeah. Um so I think that means that the competition is ongoing and it probably would be even if one did try to separate himself a little bit. Um I think uh I think Caleb has, to me, has a lot of potential of just being that leader, floor general, um, the guy that can kind of corral everybody together and get them going right. and put guys in the right spot. I think just as his natural nature to be sort of vocal. But I actually didn't see a lot of that this summer. I thought yeah. I'd see a little bit more from him there. Um, he was more vocal, I thought, in the, on the scout team in the winter. Yeah, than he was right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I which did. Which I thought was strange. Um, and and I, thought, I thought he felt like he needed to get the guys going on scout team. He, if, he was like, if I didn't do it, who else is going to do it? Right. Like, this is, That's fair. And it, it was sort of like a trial uh, for him, too, because like, he was going to step into a point guard role. But I didn't see it as much in the summer. Maybe that changes when the uh, urgency rises mm. um, closer to the season. And with Davion, um, 
you know, I think he, I, I do. I think he's getting more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, more the more that I watch him play, I think, man, he'll he'll every now and then will flash. There'll there'll, will, be, there'll yes. be a nice like uh, a nice look, a penetrate and kick, or um, a, a, you know, coming off a ball screen and you know those those one-handed pocket passes that they like to do. He'll he'll deliver one right on the money. I, I do remember a play. I don't exactly remember what pass he made, but I remember a couple teammates. Uh, pumped and that's a point guard, you know. That's a point guard. That's what we like to see, Davion. So, um, I think he's taking steps in the end and just being that type of distributor because he can score. And if he sees a lane, he's gonna go after it. And yeah. I think you saw that at times last year. Um, that's probably him. what he would naturally refer to. Yeah, yeah. Is that? Yeah. He 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 felt when he had the ball in his hands and he was going downhill, he looked pretty comfortable, especially when he had a clear lane to the basket um, and in the open floor too. I think he he, he fit well there, uh, but. Can he be in the right spot defensively? Can he get guys in the right spot offensively? And it's so funny right. when you watch Tyler Clement and they and they were running offense. I think there was one day they were running um, uh, uh, some plays and and it just it the flow was perfect. It's, you know, like yeah. it worked. Everyone was working in the right spot and and it ended with an open shot. So um, the they, wild, the wild thing about the point guards that are going to battle it out and I. And I do feel like it is wide open, and I feel like there are four of them. I feel like it's Davion, Caleb, Tyler, and I think Mitch has point guard instincts. Mm-hmm. And uh, but do you go into you know you can probably go into it on September tw- uh, September thirtieth and say okay, here are the guys we're gonna you know just throw into the mix. I don't think Ronnie's in the mix anymore. I feel like they need him. I think they need him at the four. Yeah, I think they need him at the four. I think that experiment. And I actually think that that, fit, that can fit him really well. Yeah, because I mean, he can still make plays. Out of, yeah, yeah. He can grab a rebound, and he can bring the ball up. And That's you know, a fast not a lot break. Of, right, yeah. not a lot of yeah. forwards can do that. It plays well with what Creighton's um, doing offensively. And if you think of him, if he's bringing the ball up, that means Davion, if he's on the court, um, a guy like Davion, he won't have to – he doesn't have to wait for the ball. He can sprint down court and spot up for a three-point shot. Mm-hmm. Um if that's what they choose to do. Right. I mean, I think he has that capability. Um, I don't know what other four can yeah. match that. You know, there's not I a lot agree. of I totally fours agree. that match. There's no um, four that I've seen. I, in the Big East, I don't think there's any four that plays like what right. Ronnie could play like. So that's why I feel like – I, I he, think they like where – I think they want to just stick him in his natural spot and just let him yeah. have a year in that, you know, just because he's been playing out of position pretty much his whole career. Some, Some out of his own doing, some out of – Necessities, a lot of injury, right. things like that, for various reasons. So the interesting thing about last year's team, and even after Maurice went down, I felt like Creighton played pretty. Um, the structure didn't change, and it was pretty like, um, I don't know how to how, how to phrase it. It was like uh, boilerplate, like they followed a, a template. You had a point guard, a mm-hmm. shooting guard, a you know a three man wing, a four man, and a five. Right, and that was like what they played. Game after game after game, they just if a guy went down or was in foul trouble, they just moved in another player. Yeah. Um, they didn't go small. They didn't go big. You know, they right. had there was conversation. Why don't you play Hanson and, and uh, Patton at the same time? You know, that kind of uh, um, idea. They didn't go small. They didn't go tons of guards on the court. Right. But this year, they may have to kind of tweak that a little bit, or maybe they will find in whatever matchup they're in or whatever opponent they're facing, maybe they do want to um, adjust sort of the roles of guys. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they're still playing one, two, three, or four, or five, but it's not your prototypical four. No. It's not your prototypical five. I feel like Creighton last year had 
maybe more than I've seen in a long time from a college basketball team, a prototypical one, two, three, four, five right. at each spot. And even when Mo went down, I felt like they still did. And they played with that yeah. throughout the year. It was almost like, I mean, the, when, the, when the injury happened, I felt it's you're way too far into the process right now, and games are coming up. So, like, it's not like you That's can what just, made it really tough. You know what I mean? You yeah. can't just say, okay, well, we're just going to throw four in the trash and figure out this thing by March. But what's, Which is what Xavier did, yeah. and they almost didn't they almost, make the tournament. They almost messed it you up. You know what I'm saying? But what's so, funny is, like, when you look back on it, Creighton could have. Sure. You, you can't think about that in the moment. Right. You're thinking about, okay, let's just survive. How do we beat Marquette? How do we, Marquette? Or how do we not, yeah. how do we beat not get right. totally torched to where our season goes in the tank? Mm-hmm. we got to keep these guys together. But if you, if you were, if if there was a way to sort of just experiment through four or five games, and you take your lumps then and figure it out, there's no. But that's a problem. There's no guarantee you're going to figure it out. And when Zay, they, and when they figured it out, right? They were like this like, close. They were losing it to the ball at halftime. Like, yeah. That was almost done. <laughs> um, there's a story that Tim McAllister tells. Uh, of Xavier's like video coordinator guy looking up to him at the in the stands at MSG after the first half against DePaul and saying we are trash but we're not making anything <laughs> and they went to the Elite Eight so like you know it just changed in 20 minutes right there but I yeah. think with Creighton the thing that maybe I won't say fool's goal but made them think they could patch it together was the fact that Zierden held it together when Mo went down and they beat Xavier on the road yeah um, Tyler went to Hinkle and played really well and beat Butler on the road, um, you know and, there were there were like things it, that showed even like that okay, Mar- even that Marquette game, Davion played well. Yeah, they played right. well. They did, they just you know they couldn't. Yeah, it was just a horrible matchup. They just couldn't stop. They Marquette. couldn't stop Marquette. Yeah. They, Marquette shut the lights out. But I do think I, I, I don't know. There were moments when you kind of wondered a little bit, but uh, it's hard to it's hard for me to second guess and sit and put right. myself. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the situation was workable or not. You know, like I don't know if because uh, no one was like Mo. Right. That, that that wasn't going to be. It's not like there was another way to replace yeah. that. It had to change. You, I, I do wonder what if they didn't play a team like Rhode Island in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a team they had to face, and it turned out that they were a tough you, matchup you, for them. I mean, I guess you wonder if they had Xavier's road. Although I think the Florida State matchup would have been kind of similar. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but yeah. We can. I mean, that that's a debate that'll rage on for years. I bet. Um, well, yeah. What else? Who else? Did anybody else jump out to you this summer? I was trying to think if there's anybody else that. Um, I feel like Manny Suarez is going to have a role if, yeah, if he definitely. stays healthy. The thing that I thought positive takeaways, you know, were I thought Martin had more of those. Like he's always been kind of one step forward, two step back type of deal. Roller you know coaster. I mean? Yes. He's the roller coaster. Absolutely roller coaster. But man, those peaks are really high. And yeah, I thought, there were, I thought there were more of those peaks. Yeah. Like, I feel like he's getting more comfortable yeah. in kind of the role he possibly could play. It's yeah, just yeah. like a kind of a, just a guy who can clean it up on the glass a little bit. He's obviously really athletic. He looks pretty strong. Coming off the ACL, he looks like that's not even, you know, an issue it, anymore. Yeah, not in his mind. Um, right. So I like what he, I, I like the summary he had. I like Mitch, and I wonder if they're going to, try to see what he can do with the one a little bit because I think the staff is a little bit divided on his role mm-hmm. right now. I've heard some think that if they could choose right now, they'd make him the point guard, and I've heard some say no. Like yeah. we've, it's it's not he's not in the running for it type of deal. So I'm you know there's going to be some experimenting going on for sure. But I like his instincts. Um, I obviously love Taz. I'm like number one on the fan club there. Like, you know, and I, we haven't talked much about Marcus. 
but I feel like Marcus. Well, because Marcus is Marcus takes summers like. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus gets in linebacker shape in summers. Yeah. That's why. So it's hard to evaluate Marcus this summer. I, I, but I do feel like there's an attitude difference there. I, I don't, and maybe it's just me um, projecting a little bit on him of what I think he will do or should do as Most a senior. Most definitely is what you're doing. Yeah, go ahead, <laughs> you think so? Go on, though. But I, I, I think that um, – I don't know. Because it's his last shot. I mean, it is. is. You know what I'm saying? And I, he came and back he real quick. And he he, I, thought, I thought he was going to evaluate the draft process a little right. bit more. So when he came back really quick, I thought – all right, he knows this is his last impression right here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Isn't that kind of what you got from the way he came back so quickly? Yeah, and, and I don't know. The way he carried himself this summer, I just felt like there was a little bit more purpose mm-hmm. and a little bit more – I mean, he's still kind of a goofy guy and he likes to have fun, but there was less of that. Right. And it, I think he um, – it was like the, the switch flipped quicker. You know, when things weren't going well on the court, he was uh, – Whereas last year, I think he was more inclined to just sort of let it let it go. Whereas yeah. this year, he's... He would defer to Mo yeah. more last year, for sure. Um, or just defer to just kind of, like, shrugging it off. Like, yeah. or making a joke about it. But I I don't know. I think that... I'm eager to see. I'm just eager to see what he does this... this uh, in, once practice begins, if that... You know, if, if he's able to sort of ratchet it up a little bit from a leadership standpoint. And just in a, the intensity thing, too. Like, I, that's one of the things, like... When you watch that Rhode Island game, Rhode Island's guys had an intensity and a toughness about them. And that's kind of fits into how they play. And, you know, Creighton, you know, they're offensive oriented. They move the ball and, and they like to uh, get up and down and up run and down, run play free. Yeah. So you don't necessarily equate that style of play with, you know, just down and dirty toughness, like grinding out a win. Right. But you need some of that to be a successful team. Sometimes you have to win in different ways. Yeah. And so. Which is crazy because I thought that well, that's what they did in the week before they played Rhode Island. I thought they won in they different cut, ways. They did that in you know New York. I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe Marcus can have like maybe he has that edge that um, that that is needed. I don't know. I think I think I think Creighton needs more guys with who play with that edge. I think you can still play like that and still run up, run up the up and down Wait. the court and have fun and fire up threes when you're when you're open. Um, I mean, look I mean, at if you. And this is an extreme example, but if you look at Golden State, that's what separate. That's what made the difference for them. Yeah. When they when they they were always playing free and easy, but it's when they started to get a little nasty on the other end of the floor, and make things difficult for other teams. That's when they took it to another level. And they cut down the turnovers, so that's, they became a little bit more disciplined offensively, which is kind of yeah. what what is also sort of the challenge for Marcus going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily turnovers, because I felt like he cut those down a little bit, although he did have some games where it got out of control. He was handling the ball a little bit more than, yeah. than he was used to, but um, it's the shot selection. So the shot selection, and the other thing with Marcus is on this team, like it's gang rebounding from the jump. Like, oh, yeah. Day one, everybody's got to rebound. Everybody has to rebound. Yeah. So Marcus can't get like one or two. Like Marcus uh-huh. has to be getting, basket, getting yeah. boards, and which is another thing that you brought up with Ronnie. Marcus can initiate fast breaks on his own if he goes against the ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's going to be another challenge for him. That next step, you know, he's going to have to be – there's responsibility on him because they're not going to let – first of all – But he's so – Toby's he, – like, like the, the, the bigs that they have aren't – haven't shown it in their career. So let's just assume they're not 10 rebound guys waiting to happen. Right. Just, you know, when Justin's out of there. So – and Taz isn't getting like 12 a game, even though he probably could get 12 every now and then just by – you know his hustle. What did he have like six a game last year, or was it just five? Yeah, it's probably. I think Something he was like, like a, just under six. But 
Yeah, everybody's got a rebound, and that includes Marcus. So that's going to be another. I mean, there's another phase of his game that I think needs to ratchet it up. That a was. Bit. I did spend some time in the summer crunching some numbers, and I think it was uh, the worst defensive rebounding percentage under Matt last year. The team. The team. Yeah. Okay. So that would make sense. I. I everyone. Everyone kind of always get this when I talk to people about Creighton. Like they always not Creighton's ability to rebound. Like under Mac, it's never been good, and. I, I haven't really been a good offensive rebounding team, but they've usually been pretty good defensively. Yeah. Rebounding, just cleaning it up, getting that's how you get not allowing second chances. Yeah. Right? They weren't great at that last year. That's one of the things <laughs> Flando always talks about too. He always jokes like we're really undersized, but our defense rebounding percentage is good every year. It's like always in the top of the league. So as long as you hang you hang your hat on yeah. just making sure teams don't get multiple possessions. Exactly. That's it helps everything. It helps your defense. Right. It helps your offense. Everything helps everything. So that that'll be an area of. of focus i'm sure yeah and we'll have plenty of time to go hours and hours into men's basketball but right now it's fall sports time um i guess we can start since we're at morrison we'll get the men's soccer team first um they're currently practicing right now below us i should probably be asking you these questions honestly. yeah you're probably gonna ask a lot of questions <laughs> he, took, he likes to take the weekends off um so i guess what are your first impressions of just you know the the handful of times you've seen this group together um, what sticks out to you? Obviously, Ricky Lopez has been, you know, as a Mac Herman Trophy watch list candidate. I like he had him. two goals the other night. Right. And um, what stands out to you when he you look at this? He seems like I don't know what I don't know what it is with him, but he seems to be coming into his own. Maybe it happened toward the end of last year. You saw him more than I did last year, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, when I, I I saw him play early in the year more than at the end, and it looked like there was just a lack of. Uh, I don't know if it was, there was congruent, congruity yeah. or uh, congruence, whatever word I'm trying to make up. Um, <laughs> they just didn't, they didn't fit well together, especially offensively, going yeah. after goals. Which you um, had to kind of expect in some regards. When you lose this much, yeah. and Timo, like that's a big-time duo. For sure. So like they, that, that was kind of expected. But you still expected a guy like talented like Ricky to figure it out faster than he did. Probably. I know. So he's... I don't know. I guess he's had a really good summer. They coaches were talking a little about his summer, saying it was, it was good for him. Mm-hmm. And you like what you saw in the, in the exhibition. Just putting away when you have a good opportunity to to get a shot on goal and, and do that's like to me that's what separates the the goal the good goal scorers or the good forwards the good strikers from um, the lesser ones. It's like they take care of the. It's like you know it's like in baseball if you hang a hang a curveball, the good hitters. Pop it over Don't the miss fence. that, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the so-so hitters may line it to center. Maybe they hit it hard somewhere. Uh, maybe they swing through it. Maybe they just let it go. Um, the good goal scorers put it away. So, um, I guess that's. I mean, it's 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 the college level, you know. So it's right. it's a little bit different. But uh, I like that he got a ball, um, and he he put it in, in the back of the net. You know, the the, uh, the the set piece at the end of the game was. Oh yeah, that was. That was. That's exactly what you got to do. You were almost wondering, like, if there is, <laughs> if they were even going to try to put one in, or because the you know it was under ten seconds, yeah. and you know Joel's like forty yards away, and yeah, it was on the money. Um, the thing I liked about what I've seen so far in practice and what I saw Saturday night was uh, Ricky in the midfield, not on the top line. Yeah, they were talking I, a little bit about doing that, right? Yeah, so because it feels like he, because then can get in more of the flow of the game instead of waiting for the ball. So much, you know. And one of the things that uh, Coach Elmore talked about too was like, if you play him in the midfield, there will be more situations where he'll be he won't be marked. Right. You know, like they won't assi- they won't have a, def- a defender assigned right to him. They won't know exactly. Oh, hey, 
he's that the, he's the number nine. You know, he's the forward. He's the guy that that you exactly. got to get uh, put a body on. He can kind of yeah, play it's a hard to man mark a guy yeah. who's going. He's all a little around, more free, right? right? Yeah. So you like that aspect of it? I just feel like the I feel like he it suits his abilities better too. Yeah. Because I don't think he. I think he needs to get into the flow of the game. I think it takes him a little while to get into the flow of each game. I don't think he's like he's not a ready from the start type of player like a Fabian was, who just you know is a hundred miles an hour ready to go as soon as the ball's kicked. Um, and when he's not, when he's on a top line, and if you're if if he's man marked like you mentioned, you know there's times where he won't touch the ball for forty minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that just that just takes away all his flow, all his rhythm. Um, when he's chasing it down, when he's making plays, when he's touching it, you know, just getting touches, you know, that kind of helps him get into the flow of everything. He mentioned the other night something about what Johnny Torres told him, if you know, about connecting passes, it helps you build a rhythm. And he said, if you connect your first five passes, everything just flows freely. So it's something as simple as just right there, just touching the ball in the midfield and making a pass to somebody else. Yeah, just helps you get into the flow of the game, and I feel like that suits his talents a lot better. And if they can keep him in the midfield, which is means they keep everybody healthy on the top line, then I feel like he has a breakout season waiting to happen. And uh, the top line takeaway is Marios Lomas and Sven Koenig. Uh, I think it's Koenig, not Koenig. Am I right about that? I don't know the answer to that. Oh, Sven is the I was, first name. I was especially pronunciation is not my strong suit. So I can write it down for you. This is the you team can... to cover. The... <laughs> I know exactly. That's why I like. Oh man, yeah. Well, Mario Slomas. I mean, he's six two grad transfer from the Netherlands. Uh, he's a senior. Um, yeah, he's going to be a highlight reel waiting to happen this yeah. year. Like just from what, if he can stay healthy, I think the fans are going to like him because he's got some ability. I mean, he tried to. Ricky got free, I think, on the right flank in the second half and just centered a ball. Like cross one in the air, he tried to bicycle kick it in, in, like, and he was like a touch off. Did he not get yelled at that? Yelled at for that? No, he didn't get yelled at for that. Like he, it's crazy. So he's got some, he's got some ability, and he's aggressive. Does it feel like to you? Because it does to me that they, they just have a better idea of what, what guys can do. Yeah. Than they did last year. Absolutely. And and that makes sense because they lost so much last year, but uh, they still lost a couple key pieces from uh, this last year's club, but. I don't know. They just—it just seems like they're in a better place, um, and they—they—and the, I think these exhibitions we were kind of talking about it right before the podcast started, but like having three exhibitions against like three decent teams. I mean, SIUE is probably the best one of the bunch, but Wisconsin's so? pretty good. Yeah, I was looking a little bit on Wisconsin. They've got twenty guys back, and they have a Macrum and uh, so maybe Wisconsin. So like, right. that, I, I, you know, imagine it's, being on the road. I like that idea of challenging yourself in exhibition. Yeah, I almost. I wish you could apply the same model to basketball. I guess they kind of do with their secret scrimmage, but right. um, there's always kind of like the throwaway exhibition where it's really hard to make a judgment. But in the, in this case, you're going to get three matches. Even uh, Ohio State was probably middle of the pack Big Ten right. last year, but um, that's still a, you're going to get a pretty good look at your yeah. team. The Wisconsin one's going to be, I think, I think that team's going to be probably a little bit underrated this year. I don't think they're ranked right now, but. Um, you know they were eleven four and four last year, and they finished third in the standings. And they and I think they lost. Uh, what did they lose to Maryland in the, the Big Ten tournament game, or was okay, it Indiana? Yeah. One of those two. Yeah, they didn't make the NCAA tournament, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. they lost in the title game. Yeah. So, uh, and they got twenty guys back from that club. So I mean, they might be a team that's NCAA tournament quality for sure. 
which yeah. is a good test for Creighton. Especially on the road. I mean, they came here. Yeah. Wisconsin, I was at the match last year when Wisconsin came up here and, and took it to them pretty good, I thought. Yeah. That was back when I felt Creighton looked pretty discombobulated. Yes. Um, which they did on Saturday night as well. Did they? I mean, there were just – you know what? I came into that match thinking that I felt pretty good about the back line. <clears throat> Not necessarily – the goalkeeper because Kluver was injured and didn't play. So, yeah. I mean, they had an inexperienced goalkeeper back there. But, I mean, Prescott and Legro and uh, Four, I thought Julius Four really struggled, which is – I wasn't expecting the back four to struggle, and I thought they did. Mm. I thought there were some, you know, just lackadaisical moments. And they, the goal they gave up was, like, they were just putting the ball around. A couple – a poor clearance that got deflected, and then, a, like, a lazy pass across – you don't ever make that. You don't yeah. make that pass across a forward ever. <clears throat> like Fabian used to just pick people off like crazy like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But they made one of those plays and then left their goalkeeper on an island and it was an easy goal. So I mean, I can't. I, I didn't come away thinking as highly of the back line as I did going in. So I'm curious to see how that plays out the next two matches before the season starts. Um, so I think Virginia Tech is ranked, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, they and are. Right. They go, they I go, think the yeah. top twenty team, maybe. Yeah, and then they go to, and Stanford. Then to Stanford. Yeah, it's it's. That's going to be quite a challenging non-conference, as it always is with Elmar. For sure. And then the Big East is a monster in its own right with soccer. Um, Where do you think they're going to be slotted? The, I think the preseason poll comes out Wednesday. Okay. I. Where, okay, where do you think they should? Because, you know, you may publish this podcast after it's announced. No, we'll do it. I mean, maybe, maybe. So, yeah, I think Providence will probably be in the first. That's number what I, one. I thought. That's my, that's my number I thought Providence one, one crane two. Yeah. Is that what you're Max. Because Max Steves from Providence like was injured all last year, and he's a stud. And they still won the league without him. Yeah. Like, so they still won the league and made the elite eight without yeah. him. So he's back in the mix. Right. I can't imagine how good that's going to make them because he's. Now tell me this: Is there any animosity or uh, a budding rivalry between Creighton and Providence? I think there is. Like when you saw, did you? I don't know if you watched the uh, the uh, big. East tournament match out there in Rhode Island. I didn't watch it, but so Creighton beat them in the Big East tournament, and yes. then they came. Yeah, Creighton at, lost to them at home here in the regular season. Yep. I think that helped. I think Providence clinched the Big East regular season title with the win at Creighton. Yeah. And then Creighton went out there, I think two matches later, if I'm not mistaken, out there in the Big East tournament and beat them. Right. And, and I, like, their crowd was insane. Like, Ricky Lopez was, like, taunting fans. Like, <laughs> it was a heated game. Um, and then they obviously met in the Sweet 16 here, and, and then Providence, and Providence won. won. Yeah, I can't so, imagine there's something there. So. I mean, they play so often. It's, when you play a team three times in a year in soccer, it's like, happened. Tw- I think they've already played them three times in a year twice already, yeah. and they, since they've been in the Big and East, and it's a good program. So. Yeah, and they've split. Yeah. Like you know, when Creighton won the Big East regular season title a couple years ago, they beat Providence to win it, and then lost to Providence like the week after that in the Big East tournament. So like, there's back and forth. Yeah. The results were, the results alternate. It's you know it's a heated match every time they play. I feel like that's, and, and, and yeah. when there's something on the line too, mm-hmm. like when there's some, that always helps. Uh, there has to be something on the line because that's I mean that's the weird thing that you know I always talk to Creighton fans a lot about uh, the Valley days because I mean they they miss the Wichita. They always feel like Wichita State. Uh, you I always, don't know if we I don't know if they miss Wichita. Okay. You like, miss the rival. You yeah. miss hating Wichita. Ha- right, hating Wichita. Is, yeah, and they miss like, hating Wichita. Having a target there. Yeah, like, I, and. I, I don't know. There is it was sort of ingrained in the in the NBC, NBC like you knew the teams and the brands and the programs and um, I don't know if I think that's kind of it's the tough part about conference realignment is developing 
um, and each sport's different, different obviously, but like developing teams or institutions that you can kind of do battle with on a year-to-year basis, and you can kind of get the fans engaged. Yeah. And so, um, that's it's in, it's just interesting to see how that develops. Because so, absolutely. So the thing with this team, obviously, is every year. I mean, when you're talking to Elmar last year, if they lost in the Sweet 16, you know. They made the Elite Eight the year before with a team that was just loaded offensively, just unbelievably talented. And last year was supposed to be kind of like a rebuilding year, a transition year, and it it certainly played out that way at times. Like there wasn't, like you said. uh, They made the P16. Right. So they were talking about like a difference of one round, you know what I mean, one result. And still, when when I asked him, like, do you feel like this was a successful season, you know, because if you look at it, you finish one round short of where you did last year with all you lost. And he, f- I mean, he, there was not even a hesitation. No, we played for national titles here. Yeah. Like, it's disappointing because we, we struggled at the end of the year and had to, you know, be desperate to get our way in. And who knows if we could have hosted. Um, and so the tournament matches are more than one, things like that. So, I mean, there was disappointment in making the Sweet 16 and not going any further. I'm sure there was the year before when they were, oh, you know, one match away from going to Kansas City and having, you know, a bunch of Creighton fans, you know, yeah. backing them at the College Cup. So, since it's judged that way, since he judges it that way about national title or bus, essentially, that's what he plays for. You know, they're going to Stanford, which is one of the last two. Do you feel like that's the the giant litmus, litmus test for this group before, you know, regardless of Big East play and how that goes? Like, if they, say, if they get a result against Stanford, if they draw... What do you think that does for this group's, you know, belief right. in that they can get to Philly and win the national title? This yeah, year? and that's the thing is I don't think that, you know, I, I, I maybe I should maybe I'm speaking a little bit out of turn here because I haven't been around the program very much, but it doesn't seem like, you know, that what the last college cup was 2012. You're not right. Mm-hmm. You're not far. You're not so far removed from that though, to where it doesn't feel like you shouldn't be. It reaching for that right. or, or, or focusing for that. You remember when Maurice Watson said Final Four at the me- at Media Days, and I think a lot of people latched onto that headline and were like, what? Because it doesn't feel natural for mm-hmm. Creighton to be talking about the Final Four. It doesn't even matter if Creighton had the talent to get there. It just doesn't feel natural. I think these guys, on the when they're on the field, they're practicing. Like if they don't feel like a dark horse. They no, feel like exactly. a contender. Right. Um, and, you know, so... I do. I think that's a that's a good litmus the way it should be. That's what you got. I mean, it's tough to go on the road to play a team that's won the last two national championships. But um, I think we'll be making a lot of judgment judgments about how they perform at Stanford. I mean, if they get completely waxed, then right. that I think to me, I think that would be um, that would make more of a statement or have more of an impact on this team, or at least from my perspective, than if they were able to go in and, and play play it close. Yeah, I think that would. I think that would that would shift it back to okay. Take care of the Big East. We'll see what happens in the tournament, like things like that. But if they if they get a result against Stanford, then it's like okay, Philly is our expectation yeah. now. Do whatever it takes to get there, type of deal. Could be. Um, speaking of another team, speaking of Final Four expectations, and you know, two years ago, when uh, Jaylee Winters and Megan Ballinger were true freshmen, they said what you said, like about Maurice Watson. They they mentioned I when, when you're interviewing them and they saying, okay, what, the do want, what do you want? What do you want to? What do you want to achieve in your Creighton career? You know, that mm-hmm. throwaway. And uh, not many people grab that and say Final Four. Uh, certainly not in Creighton Volleyball. Like, usually it's like, well, we want to win the Big East, we want to get to the tournament, win some games, Sweet 16. Like, they hadn't been to the Sweet 16 yet, <laughs> right? And they had just lost in the first round of the year before. Yeah. 
So, and then they were rebuilding with all these new pieces. Um, it felt like the year, the year before these kids got there was the year that they were going to make the Sweet 16, that they were going to make it. So what do you want to do in your great career? Well, I want to, final, I want to go to Final Four, I want to win national championships. It's like, oh, you have some freshmen that are just don't know the rules yet. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, Ballinger obviously got hurt, so she had a red shirt. But Jaylee put her tail off as a freshman, probably deserved to win Big East Player of the Year. I still don't understand how she didn't. Um, and in the NCAA tournament, he took it up another level, like was a 2020 player almost. Uh, made the Sweet 16 on the road at North Carolina. Then the year, obviously last year, they go to Lawrence, Kansas and play a top five seed, beat them, go to Austin, beat Michigan, go to the Elite Eight. Like, yeah. So they've, they've taken it, they've, they've matched their words. Like their goals were Final Fours, and now they have, you know, Jaylee has two years left with the Terran Cloth, uh, that core, that freshman group. Um, they have a lot back this year where, and the Final Fours in Kansas City, so like the stars start aligning to that, you know. How cool would it be to see Creighton in Kansas City with the fan base really close? Definitely. I mean, but that's all the expectations now because they've set that bar and they're one step away. When you look at this group and see all they have back, and I know we've only seen one scrimmage, how, 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 how feasible is that of a goal to say? Because if you – sorry, this is a long question – but like last year, they won three five setters. You know what I mean? Those could have gone either way. I know. On the but way that's to the elite eight tournament, though, it's that's why it's interesting. I mean, you you got to set the bar high. You got you you have to know what you're going after. Right. And and if you want to be a, you know if you want to be a championship program, then you got to aim for championships, obviously. Uh, but the NCAA tournament is so wacky, right? It doesn't it doesn't matter the sport. Um, you're in that one game setting. Anything can happen. Right. And so it's I. I um, I think and they've beaten two hosts to get to the Sweet 16. They beat Carolina, <laughs> they whipped Carolina, and beat Kansas in five. Like, yeah. those, were, those were not easy matches to win, and they did both of them. So, I mean. Uh, but I guess, you know, the natural next step is, is the Final Four. You go Sweet 16 to Elite Eight, and, and you bring back five starters, and the, really the majority of the core mm-hmm. that led you to, this, to the Elite Eight last year. Um, that's where the expectations should be. So. Um, whether or not that happens in that two weekend set setting, I mean, you think about it, you really are playing for those two weekends, and that's how your season's going to be defined. Which, yeah, which, which makes kind of stinks. hard to appreciate the journey yeah. that it takes to get there in the first place, right? Uh huh. So um, it's like when's December start? Uh, but that's the nature of college sports with tournaments at a high and, level for yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I think that's where the expectation should be, and I think um, I don't know. They they seem to be. Um, they seem to be approaching it in the right way, whereas, like, yeah, that's where we want to be, but we know that, you know, we can't just wake up tomorrow and, and get there. Yeah, right? we got to put in. Start playing the, right. We got to put in, in 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 the effort to get there. So, although the schedule that Kirsten Burnthorpe was set up this year almost makes it seem like they're starting off the NCAA tournament again because they're going to go out to Washington, yeah, play the number three team in the country in their third match. They're going to go to Kansas again, play Purdue and the Jayhawks. Um, they didn't get Nebraska. We won't. We won't talk about why. But uh, next year. Next year. Next year. Right. Yeah. When it's when it's not in Omaha anymore, or when we're splitting the gate. Uh, so like you know, she's challenging them from the start. So like, and and she always talks about the process. And I feel like there's gonna be. It's gonna be a similar season to that, because they still haven't hosted yet. 
you know, and that's a I think that that's a big goal for them to be able to host their own regional, yeah, be able to pave their own path to it instead of having to go to other places. Um, you know, the fans are I think the last I checked there they've sold over thirteen hundred season tickets, just in season tickets, and that's more than they averaged in fans alone last year for a home match. So it's building some momentum, and I feel like they can enjoy this process a little more. They're going to have USC and Kentucky come here, Northern Iowa. Um, there's, I, it, it's going to feel like an NCAA tournament play for your life type of non-conference, you know? Yeah. And they're going to have opportunities to prove, because they need quality wins to be able to host, and that's what they haven't had in the last couple of years. So when you think, or two years ago, they just didn't bid to host, but um, when you think about that, the non-conference and the way it shakes out, if they don't get quality wins, they're going to be in quite a hole going into Biggie's play. First of all, yeah, and right? I think I think kind of on kind of I think what you're hinting at is that this team kind of has to play. You can't just sort of sleepwalk through the season. Like right. every weekend matters, and I think the team understands that because. When they play in the Big oh, East, boy, do they ever! You're gonna have some fun quotes this year. I'm sure the, like the one match at a time thing is oh, a yeah. serious like obsession. But but it's but it's, I mean that's sort of the 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 way you have to approach it if you want to if you want to be that type of team that is there at the end. Um, I, and I know it's it, it is cliche to say it, but like, um, you know you, you, you have to find sort of that way to motivate yourself. Maybe you're faking it, or maybe you're tricking yourself into to believing that this match is a big deal. To believe in providence matters. Yeah, yeah like things like that. Um, yeah. But and, and a way to do that, the way to trick your mind is to, to raise the expectations to like the the highest level and mm-hmm. um, to kind of be a perfectionist. And so um, now that they've gone undefeated in the Big East play, like, well, that, now you got to do it again. Right. So that I think you know, like the, that fr- the the freshman class we just alluded to the you know the Jaylee Winters class and Terry Clove, they've lost one. One match in Big East play in their entire careers. They've lost one Big East. Pretty team. remarkable. And it was a five sitter at yeah. Villanova that they're still angry about. They still think they got ripped <laughs> off. So if you ask them to this day, they'll remember the point. They remember yeah. it being wrong. But and they think they should be undefeated. In Big East I think play. that That's it's, crazy. I think it's it's they're just in a unique spot because they 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 happen to be the most talented program in their conference. Mm-hmm. And even though the conference isn't good, they still um, because they are the more the most talented team and they've had success. I think that they. Uh, teams view them as, hey, we we want to try to knock this team off. They have right. the target on their backs, so they they know that they can't drop off too far on a on a night in night out basis, or else they're going to get snipped. And so, I think that mentality helps you when you make it to the NCAA tournament and you're starting to play those, uh, you know, winner go home matches. But uh, yeah, I mean, when you look when you when you look at when they go what they have back compared to. You know, Washington returns quite a bit. You know, they deserve to be number three. Texas is absolutely loaded. Um, Stanford's going through the coaching change. They're really they're I mean, Stanford was should not have won the national title last year. They felt like there was a lot of freshmen on that group. You know, they and that's were, they that, were kinda, but that's the NCAA tournament, right, you know? Right. Like sometimes the team can get hot. Like Texas got hot. As soon as they, as soon as they met Creighton, yeah, Texas was weird because they should have lost to BYU <laughs> and, and then, they didn't, and they smoked Creighton and Nebraska. And Nebraska, like, yeah, right? Yeah. And when when they played Creighton and Nebraska back to back, and they won those matches like with ease, yeah. And like, six zero, oh, Texas clean. win the tournament, and right. then all of a sudden, then no, they got yeah. beat by Stanford. No, so. Stanford's got six seven people all over the court. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, you know, like, so it's, I think, uh, where I think do you fall in that pecking order? You know what I mean? Like right. Minnesota, I think Wisconsin probably is going to drop off a little bit because they lost a lot, but there's there's five or six. That are definitely national title contenders. Is Creighton in that group? Like, 
you know, because the NCAA did, like, kind of, like, they just reviewed the top ten. Like, who could possibly, who could possibly, like, wreck the order of the top four? Mm. And the the thing that I kind of laughed about was they mentioned Kansas, who was at eight ahead of Creighton. And then they mentioned number ten, number 10 BYU, who was right behind Creighton, but they didn't mention Creighton. Like, they, they said, oh, well, number eight, Kansas, number 10 BYU could possibly upset the established order. But, like, but, but not very so is Creighton still, like, could they use it as a chip on their shoulder? Like, they're still kind of forgotten at nine somehow? Yeah, I mean, do they belong in that group? There's at some point though, you have to sort of turn it over from, hey, we're we're not the underdogs anymore. Yeah, that we're the like we we belong and we got to carry ourselves like we're gonna go come out and and you know stomp over this team. Yeah, even though you know, because even going even though the, the talent like the talent is gonna remember them beating them. Yeah, and what Creighton's gonna what's what, where's Creighton's edge in that matchup? You know what I mean? Because it's like the number isn't going to be flashy anymore because Creighton's got one too. Right. You know that won't be enough. I th- yeah it, I I think that's it's really what separates, it's it's what separates those teams when you're talking about every now and then you'll see those programs or in professional sports you'll see those teams that rise up and have a really good year but whether or not they sustain it is whether or not they find that motivation to or they they have that mentality of like that championship mentality like mm-hmm. hey we're here and we know we belong here. It's funny, I don't know how many of your listeners want to hear about me talking Nebraska football, but I felt like Nebraska's football team suffered from that. Just that lack of a, they didn't, when I was covering the program, they didn't carry themselves, I didn't think the players carried themselves like they, um, when they stepped out on the, on, the, on the field, they felt like they were... Um, better side yeah like they were yeah. goliath in the in the in the matchup obviously that's maybe bad analogy since the goliath uh, got taken down by david <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but you know what i'm saying like yeah, yeah. they you, there's a certain demeanor and confidence that you carry when you go out, out onto the field and uh your opponent knows it they see they see it sort of exude off of you and uh i th- i think creighton volleyball has that mm-hmm. because um, Certainly, you, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to run through the conference the way they did. Uh, I mean, they weren't even like it wasn't like twenty and zero. It was like twenty and zero sweep, 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 sweep. Like, yeah, and they and they weren't like. I mean, it, it's funny because Kentucky basketball sometimes they will just they'll have this stretch where they don't. It looks like they don't even care. Yeah, and Calipari is like quits coaching and he just sits on the sideline. He's like, well. I think in his mind he's like, well, if they if they lose, it doesn't really hurt us. Like that's fine. Right. Then I can get their attention, and then we'll be, we'll be good to go up come March. But the volleyball team, Creighton volleyball team, didn't have that. So right. <laughs> uh, maybe they just know that it's if they want to get where they want to go, which is hosting, and then obviously making a run to the Final Four. They can't afford many slip ups. Right. And especially not in Big East play. So I honestly don't think they. I don't think that, I think a couple things. I don't think they want to play on the road anymore. As much as they know they can do it, they'd rather. Be at home, but it's almost like yeah, it's almost like you're playing with fire when you have to go to a place. Yeah, and you're asking though, for a right. first round exit. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, one of those times, like, yeah, <laughs> you can't continue to have to to make your own luck yeah. every now and then. And we the say that now, and when it happens in December, we're gonna be writing about it like, yeah. well, they did it before, then they did it again. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then I don't think they want to end up in Lincoln either, like to play for a Final Four. I'm sure they don't care about playing Nebraska, but I think it would be a big feather in the cap if they had to make Nebraska come to them. For that final four spot versus having to go down Lincoln and once again cross that stepping stone, even though that probably is what's next for them, you know what I'm saying? Because Nebraska is the giant volleyball school in this yeah. state, and Creighton still hasn't beat them in this in this whole rise. Creighton has not beat They've them, never yet, beat them yet, other than that spring match a couple of years ago. So, 
maybe that is what's next. Maybe 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 the Lincoln Regional where they have to get through Nebraska to go to a Final Four. Um, that's, is, is that's the step they have to take. That's the interesting thing is like um, that this this small area is supporting two really quality volleyball. Well, obviously, Nebraska's on a different stratosphere than sure. Creighton, but um, than everybody in the country. Yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's funny. Like a lot of times when you see, um, especially programs in close proximity that play on a regular basis, that you know they they're going to run into each other at some point. They, yeah. But they haven't really because like, well, it's very geographic. Yeah, Nebraska. They, yeah. Nebraska hasn't. Like Creighton's been able to rise without, like you said, without having to overcome a Nebraska. Nebraska's still beating Creighton, right? And Nebraska's still its entity, but Creighton's able to sort of, kind of, rise despite not having to go through Nebraska. You think, right. oh yeah, they'd have to. It's one some, or the other, right? It, right. Some, in some way, some someone's form. Someone's up, someone's down. Exactly. Yeah. But yet, at least to this point, that hasn't had to happen. So. It would be really fun to see them play. I mean, they were Last they, year they was, were close. You don't understand how close. I mean, because you know you go into that match and you're like, okay, Texas is obviously really talented, but they only they played like crap the other day. Yeah, they almost so lost like if they're right. not on, yeah. Creighton is going to play Nebraska in the final four in Columbus. That would have been wild. Yes, I mean, even and John Cook even rooted like after he got there after he beat Washington, he's like, oh, I'm rooting for Creighton. I, I think that would just be fantastic to play them in the final oh, yeah. four. Like, so even he was juiced up about it. And then, you know, Tom Herman gave away free pizzas to Gregory Gym, and <laughs> the whole environment felt off. It was like, oh, this is going to be a wild atmosphere. Yeah. Like, this is probably not going to go well. Um, and, of course, it didn't. But, uh, yeah, I think – I almost feel like it's fate that they're going to have to meet to, to, to for Creighton's next step. It feels like that's what's going to happen this year. It just felt like Kansas was that team a couple times, and they got past them in Lawrence last year to, to go to the 16 That's again. what's funny is that they, they've met Kansas a lot. Yes. And, a ton. And Kansas has been that team. Yeah. Um, and it's not been Nebraska. So I think they are on a crash course at some point. Don't you feel it? It's, I yeah. mean, it's, it's – and, the fact, that they and did, this, the fact that they didn't play – Yeah, exactly. That, that only adds, like, just a giant tub of gasoline to the fire. Mm-hmm. like. And it's the best cr- – Creighton team yep. they've ever had. And it's Nebraska in a rebuilding year. Like, sort of. I mean, the, Nebraska. You never re- say rebuilding. They reload. Nebraska. Absolutely. They reload. Very, very true. They reload. But, like, you know, it was feel like there was, if there was one year where Creighton goes in the favorite, this was the year yep. on paper, and they're not playing. So it, it almost seems like it's destined to happen. And Booth mentioned it, you know, when asked why they aren't playing. She's like, well, you know, we'll just see what happens in December. Maybe we'll play them. I'm sure we'll, you know. In the NCAA tournament. You know, the NCAA tournament, first of all, the NCAA tournament is, like, funny that way. They like to make those matchups. Yeah. They love those collision courses. So, in the storylines, even though they admit they don't. <laughs> they claim do it they on don't. purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that happens to work out that way. Either way, I think it's going to be an interesting fall with two beats that feel like are on national championship trajectories, whether it's this year or, you know, building towards the future. Obviously, Creighton is loaded. The Final Four is in Kansas City. They're playing a lot of really good teams that could kind of, they can test themselves against. So no matter what happens in the non-conference, come December, they'll know what they're facing. Yeah. I mean, they were 6-6 and to start last year, right? Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily... They lost to Nebraska and then didn't lose again until... Texas. Right. So it doesn't necessarily meet in non-con. You can't necessarily draw a ton of conclusions. But then again, um, if you're hoping or, or thinking that Crane's going to make the next, take the next step, um, you'd like to see them do a little bit better in 6-6. Six and six. Sure. Yeah. No, and they want to, too. Yeah. So, And then men's soccer, obviously, you know, knowing that Elmer's going to be disappointed at 
with the Sweet 16, even though it feels like a pretty solid season. <laughs> um, yeah, standards for those two but clubs. But don't you think, and, and it's not to go back to men's soccer because I know we're probably going to be ending this compo soon, but, like, it's more the way the season went for the the team. Like, if they had – I mean, they wouldn't be happy if they got upset in the Sweet 16. But, like, and maybe you could count – Losing yeah, confidence is the a, struggle. That's yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. I mean, they they it, they almost peaked in September, mm-hmm. mid September or early October, like, and then it, they just kind of they hit that wall in Big East play. Maybe that because they had to play their way into the Big East tournament. Yeah, which mean you know they they and Georgetown was a really good side, so they come in, and Georgetown was a pretty desperate team at that point too. Um, so. Creighton had to beat Georgetown to get into the Big East tournament in the first place, which if they don't beat Georgetown, they might not have made the NCAA tournament. <laughs> so, like, it was very – everybody that, was on edge. Like, I feel what like happened that was to, probably yeah, part of it, Because Because the one thing, regardless of national championships or college cups, the one thing Creighton does not do is miss the NCAA tournament. <laughs> so, like, the fact that that became a reality for a minute before yeah. they waxed Georgetown was like, what happened? Right. You know what I mean? Like, so um, – there really is no awesome way to end this, but I feel like it's going to be a fun year, a uh, fun fall covering these teams because, I don't know, you don't root for, like, you don't root for the teams you cover. Like, I certainly have, I grew up a Creighton fan, but I, I tried to shut that off when I started covering the teams because I feel like that's not a good way to go about it. Yeah. And I've been able to do that, so now, now in year six, I don't feel like a fan anymore. But you want, you want there to be some excitement around the teams you're covering you know what I mean I feel like there's that's still there whether I'm rooting for them to win every match or not like I want them to have you know good storylines throughout the year so yeah, talking well, about what's going wrong and things like that I always tell people I root for the story so okay. whatever the best story is going to be you root for that and a lot of times you don't know so you just sort of you right. just sort of sit back and let it let it play out and then after it happens you're like thank you yes yeah. you know, thank you sports gods that was a great <laughs> you know right. I think of the Marcus Foster uh, three-point shot he hit against Xavier. Yeah. You know, as the game's playing out, I don't know how that's going to end. Uh, Creighton seemed to be in, or Creighton seemed to be in control, and Xavier made a run, and, and you're not quite sure um, how it's going to finish. But you just hope, at least when I'm sitting there, kind of compiling my thoughts as the clock's winding down, I hope for something memorable that mm-hmm. I can document, and that's what uh, that's what happened then. And so that's kind of what I root for for men's soccer and. And volleyball. Obviously, they have to be good to get to that point. You right, have to do. Right. You have to have some success. So that was the Creighton Kansas for that. match last year. Was yeah. like I didn't really know going into that day. First of all, I was really angry because someone keyed my rental car. So I was like, what, "What's going on, Lawrence? Um, come on, yeah, come on, the rental car, seriously." And then it's like, I, you know, I didn't really know how to feel about. I felt like Creighton shouldn't have been in Lawrence because Kansas was, I think, the fifth overall seed, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. And then. Creighton, I felt like, was right in that range to almost host. They shouldn't be playing a five seed in round two. Yeah. So it was like I was like going in with like, well, let's see what happens. Then it turns into like the greatest match I've ever seen in my life. You know, Creighton wins it, celebrates. Wait, the refs overturn it. There's no replay, so they just have to go with their call. Creighton get off the court. You know, find your focus again. Then they win again, and then it's like that's over for sure. Like there's no doubt about it. <laughs> Um, there was no vicinity of the ball. Like, it was, it was like, a legit win. Um, so, like, then the excitement comes over him again. And, like, just seeing Booth, how excited she was. And, you know, and then she said, like, that's the best match I ever played. And so, like, that story just happened organically, like you mentioned. 
Um, so yeah, it's just one that's of those things where what, you just kind of capture yeah. what you're not expecting. You're not hoping for it going in. You just kind of like wait and see. Yeah, I don't. I mean, don't tell Booth I said this, Coach Booth or Coach Elmore. But uh, don't listen to this podcast after a minute, hour and four. Yeah, stop, <laughs> stop at this moment. But I like it. A lot of times, from my experience, it's it's best when you have a team that has that comes close to success but doesn't quite get there. Okay. I think that's you. The best stories have the tension, the conflict, yeah. and um, they don't necessarily always have the happy ending that you... So would you would you throw, like, Doug McDermott Sr. into that? Because they got kind of got blown out in the game, but, like, is that the close but not quite? That's, that's probably pretty close. Because I mean, let I me think, tell you right now, that locker room was absolutely miserable after that one, and yeah. I don't know if I want to experience and, that again. Right, and, I, you, and you certainly feel bad for the athletes because you know them and their And coaches. you have to ask them questions, and that's yeah, the That's, the that's tough. Because um, the pain, you can feel it. Yeah. But those those stories are really compelling. Yes, they are. Absolutely. Um, even if the even if it, it is tough to to write it, but um, yeah, I I, I I you know I, it's hard to say that I prefer to write a story about a team losing by thirty in the second round of the NCAA tournament or a team winning a national championship. <laughs> but a lot of times yeah. you can get real, uh, you know. It's better. hard to imagine those are two on the same level, but they're almost pretty close. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> from an emotion standpoint, yes, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, I appreciate you sitting down. We, I think we went way over what probably either of us were expecting, but when we just yeah, you might have to chop this thing off, chop this thing up, and, and this might be the podcast right here. We might not just say anything else. You could, this is probably the podcast, guys. Like, you it's could, over an hour and five. This is easily the longest interview we've ever done on this thing. So, well, you, here's the thing: I could, I could talk for another hour. So yeah, that's, that's scary. The, you know that the Jahens interview that was the previous longest. Yeah, you just chat. Yeah, that I had to cut that off. I was like, we 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 could go on for days, and we don't have days. So Jahens, that was a good interview. I enjoyed listening. He's to that. he's great, isn't he? Like he can just tell stories all the time. Yeah. Like I need to. We need to sit Doug and Grant and him down and Ethan. Just those four and just rehash 2013, 2014. Ooh. Prior like to idea. San Antonio. <laughs> no, they got to go through that, though. Yeah, I don't know if they'll talk about that anymore. Like, I almost breached but it. That, like, I was like, I won't mention Baylor. He's like, you know, it's funny because he said, I don't know, were you next to me when he said he hasn't talked to Brady Heslop since that game? Oh, no. Yeah. I, I don't think So, like, Brady Heslop was like, he's from Canada. He's from one of Jen's, yeah. like, good friends growing up. Played basketball together or whatever. But he was obviously Baylor's sharpshooter. Yep. And on that team that uh, wax them. So it, he said he hasn't spoken to him since. That so game. it's gonna come up. So it's it's gonna come up if they meet if they meet Baylor in the, in Kansas City. Now, yeah, it'll like, be a tough setup. It's because, so funny because a couple of years ago, um, now we're just sort of cautioning the wind. Uh, <laughs> a couple of years ago, like I was, we, were, we were talking to Murph was uh, I think it was at the Blue Jay Painter golf outing, and it was like, um, you know, talking about ramping up the schedule, playing more athletic teams, that sort of narrative thing. He's like, well. We'll never play Baylor again. I don't ever want to see that team again. You will never see me scheduling them because he's he you know he takes ownership of the schedule. And now it was funny when this tournament came out and was rumored. It's like, did you did I see that Baylor's in a tournament with you? He's yeah. like, what did you? He's like, I don't I didn't invite them. <laughs> so it was like one of those deals. But yeah, they are. It, it would be funny if they do meet again because I imagine there's going to be a a lot of old pain being brought up throughout the fan base when you see that. It Especially will. if it happens again, like if it goes south again. Ever just turns into one of those beatings again? Mm-hmm. 
Those beatings are rare too in basketball. Like you, this is one of those a tournament. I feel like it's one of those where you're just sitting there and it's halftime and you're like, this game's over. So, but yeah. it has 21 minutes left. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Rhode was, Island was close to that too, though. That was, was it really? That, but that's what it felt. Didn't it? I, well, I wasn't there, so I don't know what it felt like. But like, I'm, I'm coming the, out in the second half, it felt like Creighton was one run away from oh, see, it from, being a basketball. From my game. vantage point, the like path, Creighton was like five runs away against Baylor. Like, yeah, that's true. It wasn't that far, but it. Uh, the path to victory for Creighton was seemed daunting. Yeah, yeah, it was very difficult. The way that that game started and the the way that Rhode Island sort because you don't often see teams flip a switch like in that sort of tournament game. They're either ready or they're not, and it's you know, unless they're just way better. Yeah, Rhode Island was better than I. They were more athletic. They were quicker than I thought they would be. Yeah, um, and I watched them play Is earlier it, in the year. When and did you feel like me. it was going? Like the first couple of minutes, I felt like, uh oh. This is probably going to be an uphill. See, I didn't feel time. that exactly because uh, Creighton's gotten off the slow starts at times okay. earlier in the year, so I was like, ah, uh, you know, we all those hit questions, some shots. all those questions you asked earlier in the year, man, that ended up coming true, right? <laughs> yes. Like, oh well, you know, and they just shrug it off. Like, no, nah, John kind of feels that. I, you felt but, that early on. I, yeah, but they they were always able to settle in. Yeah, I saw they, I, they I proved you wrong I, multiple I, times. I yeah. felt like they would do the that laugh. again. I guess. <laughs> but they didn't. Got the haha moment at the end. I'd say midway like, through the midway through the first half yeah. is when it was like, yeah, this is going to be because they could a see, challenge. Yeah, they're not playing great basketball. It's not like they're like missing shots and they couldn't get shots. Yeah, that was that was the challenge. Couldn't get their shots. Right. Well, hey, thanks for sitting down. No problem. Congratulations publicly on your engagement. Even Thank you very much. Talked about it many times. Um, Thank you. Yeah, let's uh, enjoy the fall sports here. Good weather. You know, racing you to the stories, racing you to features and things like that. Yeah, well, uh, now we can... Um, Do you have one in the bag get, already? Um, I, I don't know. I maybe. have one in the bag, so I'll be oh, up one. I was going to say, we're going to have to... Uh, this Now we disregard the pleasantries and the yes. competitiveness is on. Yeah, it's just the switch <laughs> turns right now. No, I appreciate it, man. No Thanks a lot. We'll do this again. All right. All right. Great interview there between two guys that know more about Creighton sports right now on the day in day out than anybody other than probably Rob Anderson and Glenn Sisk and all the good folks in the uh, respective uh, departments of the Creighton University Athletic Department so with that we're going to call this week's Blue Jays bot pod Blue Jays Bites podcast a wrap um, sponsored as always by Lawler's Custom Sportswear thank you Lawler's for all of your support and with that, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you back here or listen to you back here in about a week as we recap everything that's going on in all of the fall sports, men's soccer, women's soccer, volleyball, and also taking uh, a, a peek into what to expect here in the next couple of weeks for the men's and women's basketball programs. So for Matt DeMoranis and our guests, I'm Bryant Ott signing off for this week's episode of the Blue Jays Bites podcast. Have a great night. And go Jays.